Best Chair, Detectives. Hi, I'm Rebecca. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Allie, and you're listening to Desk Chair Detectives. All right, guys. So today, yeah, I'm up again. Um, We're going to do another case from New Jersey. (laughs) My friend asked me, they're like, are you only doing um, spooky things from New Jersey? I was like, I don't think that was the original plan, but... (laughs) Yeah, we just have a lot of passion for New Jersey. (laughs) And... um, I don't know. I think it's it's interesting for for us to know things that happened, especially around where we live. You yeah, know? I mean, New Jersey already gets a bad rap, so why not just <laughs> nail it in okay. that it's a terrible place? <laughs> Stay out of here, shoobies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this case happened in Morris County. And it actually all started at the strip mall that's right down the road from where our current office is. So this is the story of the 1982 murder of Amy Hoffman. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. This, this, this is a sad one. It's, it's, it's very unfortunate, the whole I think, story. I think this is one of, like, when I first came up there, because I'm not familiar with that area at all. So when I first got this job, that was, like, one of the first stories that, like, Tracy told me. Was it that one? Is that the same one, Sarah, that she's talking about? I think so. Yeah. (laughs) You'll probably you'll probably know when um when I get into it, but this one is pretty brutal. So fair fair warning for anybody listening. Okay. So in 1982, Amy Hoffman was an 18-year-old who attended Parsippany Hills High School in Morris County, New Jersey. She was in her senior year and a valued member of her school's cheerleading squad. Amy also had a part-time job at a local strip mall that she often worked after cheerleading practice. On the night of November 23rd, 1982, Amy was leaving her part-time job at the surprise store after working a double shift. I have a question. Yeah. What is a surprise store? I am not really sure what that is. Um, my, my best guess would maybe be like a party store or something oh, of that nature, but but that's just a total guess. I didn't really look into what the actual store she worked at. Um, but it was two days before Thanksgiving and Amy was headed home to her parents' house after working. And it was around 9.30 p.m. when she left her job at the Morris County Mall And that was also the last time that anyone saw Amy alive. When Amy didn't arrive home from work that night, her parents started to worry about her. They were expecting her home at 9.45 p.m., the usual time that Amy would come home after work. However, Amy's mom thought it was especially strange that she was running late since they had plans to give Amy a perm that night. Oh, what yeah. year was it? 1982. So we're, we're right in that time frame. Oh. <laughs> so after waiting about 45 minutes, Amy's mom decided to go to the surprise store at the Morris County Mall to see where she could be. When her mom arrived, she found Amy's car in the parking lot. Oh. He, he's still in the ignition with Amy's sweater, purse, and wallet in the front seat of her car. Oh, no. 
when Amy was nowhere to be found and her car was the only one left in that parking lot, Amy's mom immediately called the police. A Hanover canine patrolman, William Plate, arrived at the scene with his dog named Baron. And they immediately got Baron to track Amy's scent, but he was only able to track it to two parking spaces over from where Amy's car was parked. That's but so he, scary. Yeah, like but he still... Mom. I know, I know. Oh, it's like heartbreaking as I'm going through this and it's not even the worst part yet. Um, so when police finished examining the scene, they concluded that there was no sign of a struggle. They couldn't find anything left behind that would signify that another person was even with Amy. It was just like she just disappeared. And from there, the search for Amy began. On November 25th, just two days after Amy went missing and Thanksgiving Day, police discovered Amy's body in the Mendham Reservoir in Randolph, New Jersey. She was found face down in a cement holding tank wearing the same clothes she was last seen in. In a what? In a water tank, like a cement water tank, like for the reservoir. Oh. Yeah. Um... Police found some of her cut hair, like her hair was cut off, and her wristwatch in the tank with her. And more of her cut hair and her ring was found on the ground next to the tank, along with some blood stains that were on the side. Something about, like, obviously nothing good happened to her, but there's just, there's a train, there's something really creepy about someone like cutting your hair. Yeah, I was just going to say that seems like super uh, like personal or yeah. like yeah. You know, something like someone has thought and of doing before to someone else. And it's very, it's like so demeaning. Like not only are you taking away someone's life, but you're cutting off her hair and taking off her jewelry. Like it's just yeah. like, look what I can do to you. Yeah. It's just so malicious on so many levels. Um, The police also found a large pool of blood on the ground that trailed to the side of the tank like she was being dragged. So Amy's autopsy concluded that she had been fatally stabbed. And I'm going to read the official court document that describes what the assistant medical examiner, Dr. Frederick Roddy, found in his report. And this is pretty gruesome. So fair warning. Trigger warning. (laughs) Quote. Dr. Roddy found a long open gash on the left side of the victim's head, an L-shaped wound to the victim's right shoulder, and short injuries at the base of the victim's neck. The victim's left ear had been severed, leaving a deep wound that, in Dr. Roddy's view, would not have caused death, but would have prevented the victim from holding her head straight. This wound extended all through the victim's soft tissue to the spinal column. There was a short laceration at the base of the victim's nose and two severe chest wounds, one penetrating four and a half inches, the other penetrating more than seven inches through the victim's lungs and to her back between the ninth and 10th ribs. Oh my God. Dr. Roddy concluded from the structure of these wounds that they were caused by a single edge knife held perpendicular to the victim's chest. He hypothesized that the knife was inserted, causing the four and a half inch wound, then partially withdrawn, then thrust deeply, causing the seven inch wound. 
The victim had defensive wounds on her right hand as though she had attempted to grasp the blade of the knife. There were also abrasions and bruises on the victim's left thigh and lower arm, consistent with her having been dragged over the retention tank wall, end quote. That is terrible. Yeah, yeah. that's not, it wasn't like quick. No, it was, like you said before, very personal, yeah. painful, oh, yeah. like I can't imagine like how much angry. this girl struggled. Yeah. Right? I was just like, going to say angry, like I don't, like if, you know, if it's personal, I don't know. But if it's not personal, it's someone thinking about someone else. Yeah. That's what I would think. I read yeah. something that, like, um, like stabbing isn't, like, as easy as you think. Unless it's, like, a really, really sharp knife. But it's just, like, the force and, like... Yeah. Oh, it's so terrible. Just think about that. And she's 18. Did they, um, she's 18, yeah. Did they say... I guess, like, what injury was the fatal injury? Like, yeah. was she alive through all of it? Yeah, I'm going to get to that, actually, oh, okay. right now. Okay. So Dr. Roddy also concluded that Amy had been sexually assaulted before she was killed. And he found that Amy had actually bled to death from the seven-inch stab wound from the right side of her chest. No. So that's how she died. I'm not sure it's unclear um like which wounds happened first so i'm not sure if that was the first stab and then he did everything else or if that was the last one but pretty painful prolonged death i i mean she bled to death so she didn't die quickly yeah. oh my That's god poor baby yeah and like she's just she's so young like just starting out her life and that's not what you think is going to happen to you when you leave work at a party store. store yeah. yeah. So after the autopsy, the police immediately began questioning people who were around the Morris County Mall and the Mendham Reservoir the last night that Amy was seen alive. And one of the first people that police spoke to was Barbara Horrath, an employee of a neighboring store in the strip mall. And she provided a description of a car and a man she saw in the parking lot the night of Amy's disappearance. You see, Barbara had left her job just before Amy that night between 9 and 9.15 p.m. So based on those descriptions that Barbara gave police, they they drew composites of both the car and the driver that she saw. Another person that police spoke to was a man named Tim O'Grady. He was actually visiting his girlfriend's mom who lived close to the reservoir on the night of November 23rd. He left around 10, 15 p.m. to get home to take a call from his girlfriend who was in college at the time. And on his drive home, Tim noticed that there were headlights by the access tanks near the reservoir and saw that there were high beams on, on the car that he saw. And Tim admitted to police that he was really into cars. So he told them that he was pretty confident that the car he did see was a manual 1970 Chevy two-door. He also told police that a male with facial hair was behind the wheel. So with information from witnesses like Barbara and Tim, police began the search for the car and the man that was described. On December 5th, just two weeks after Amy's murder, a car and a man matching that description was located. 
New Jersey police stopped a car during a routine traffic stop because of the similarities between the car and the man driving it to those composites. The driver of this vehicle was about 5'10 to 6 feet tall with a beard and a mustache. The composite suggested that the subject, that the suspect was, quote, blonde with curly hair, possible facial hair. And the police report of this traffic stop doesn't say why, but despite the car and that man resembling the composites, the driver was not detained and he was let go. No. So also, also on December 5th, another horrific murder occurred. 25-year-old Deirdre O'Brien was kidnapped and stabbed just as Amy was. So Deirdre was abducted from her car on a dark road in Alamuchi, New Jersey. Oh. She, she was raped, stabbed, and left for dead on the side of the road. And a truck driver found her on the side of the road. And she was able to describe her attacker to him before she died in this truck driver's arms. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. Brutal. So when the police did a composite sketch of Deirdre's murderer, Amy's co-workers and other witnesses from the strip mall where Amy was kidnapped said they recognized the suspect and his Chevy being at the Morris County Mall the night Amy disappeared. So the investigation continued with this new lead that both Amy and Deirdre's murders could be connected. So, while the police couldn't seem to pinpoint who was responsible for both Amy and Deirdre's deaths, I don't think anyone could have suspected that the perpetrator would literally hand himself over to police. Oh my God. So on January 16th, 1983, the police received a call from 44 Harrison Street in Morristown, New Jersey. Upon the arrival... What? Sorry, where is that? Where is that close? I don't to know where that house? is, but that's where I live. So. <laughs> I'm scared. So upon the arrival, police found James Koadaic in the kitchen of the house with his mother washing a stab wound on his back. He told police that he was driving home on Route 24 when he was pulled over by a car with flashing blue lights. According to Koadaic, the driver of the car stabbed him and then sped off. Because of his injuries, Koadaic was taken to Morristown Memorial Hospital unaccompanied by police. I'm out. <laughs> this man, correct? You said a man, was driving, flashing lights like a cop, pulled over, and the dude just stabs him. That's what he said, yes. Okay. That was his story. Okay. So, because of the stabbing similarity to Amy and Deirdre's cases, Police secured Koadaic's clothes and car to see if they could collect more evidence. Since police believed that Amy and Deirdre's cases could be connected, they had the same detectives that worked those cases take a look into this one because James Koadaic was also a victim of a stab wound. So they were thinking that all of this could be connected somehow. So when police were searching his car, a detective realized that the tire tread pattern of Koadaic's car was similar to the impression made at the scene of Deirdre's murder. The police then compared the Koadaic tire tread with a sketch and photograph of the tracks found near Deirdre's abduction, and they were a match. Before I go any further, 
Is this dude blonde with a beard? Hold on. Before I go any further, I want to remind you of that traffic stop that I mentioned earlier on in the story. That happened on December 5th, the same night as Deirdre's murder. (gasps) Police pulled a car over that matched that composite from Amy's case, but the driver wasn't detained. When police went back through those police reports from their traffic stops that night, they found that the driver pulled over was none other than James Kodak. (gasps) No. So like, let's just pause and unpack here. So I couldn't figure out, I couldn't figure out if the traffic stop happened before or after Deirdre's murder, but they had him. Yeah. They had him and they let him go. And what's the sketchiest part is I don't understand. It's, it's undisclosed in the police report why they let him go. And I don't know if that needs to happen in a police report. They need to write down like why they let somebody go, but it's. He just didn't think it was him. I guess not. So, but they had him and they let him go. Oh my God. If it was before she died, that is just so, I mean, it's messed up either way. And just, I'm sure they feel like so frustrated, but that's crazy. And like, also you would think that he'd like chill, right? He did that terrible murder to Amy, right? Her name's Amy. Mm -hmm. And then he literally gets caught by police. You'd think he'd be like, okay, I need to. It was two weeks apart. Two weeks apart. And it's like, what did he literally get pulled over? And then was like, all right, back on my merry way. He probably got his like adrenaline going. He's like, oh, I can get away with it. I can get away with anything. Yeah. Yeah. Just just guessing. I'm guessing that the police, like like, when he got pulled over, it happened before. Because like you just said, Allie, like if he got pulled over by police and then was let go, his adrenaline was maybe pumping and being like, ooh, let me do this again. Yep. So disgusting. But after realizing that the tire tracks matched what was found at Deirdre's murder site, the police obtained a search warrant to search the inside of Coadaic's Chevy. And on January 19th, 1983, police arrested him for the murder of Deirdre O'Brien. While the public had suspicion that he was the same man who killed Amy, the police didn't have any forensic evidence to connect him to Amy's case. No. But, But Police were confident that they could find evidence because now they had access to the inside of Kodaik's car. And they did find something. So on December... Was it her hair? Hold on. On December 15th, 1983, Kodaik was charged for the murder of Amy Hoffman. And along with countless credible witnesses for the prosecution, the forensic evidence showed that the material from Kodaik's car matched specimens found on the clothes and boots of Amy. So the official court document stated, quote, nylon fibers removed from the heel of Amy Hoffman's right boot were consistent with fibers found in the car's carpet and that polyester fibers found on Amy's skirt matched fibers from the car seat cover. The nylon fibers found on Amy's skirt matched coarse fibers found in the binding of the seat cover in the defendant's car. The likelihood was extremely remote that the fibers on Amy's skirt and boot came from any source other than the defendant's car, end quote. So 
In October of 1984, James Koedaic was found guilty of the murder, kidnapping, and aggravated sexual assault of Amy Hoffman, as well as unlawful possession of a weapon with the intent to kill. And then in May of 1985, he was convicted of the murder of Deirdre O'Brien. And he was sentenced to death, and he was the first man sentenced to death under New Jersey's revised capital punishment statute at that time. Wow. Wow. However, oh God. Oh God. In 1990, in 1990, the New Jersey State Supreme Court overruled his sentence and the death penalty was off the table. So James Koedaic is now serving two life sentences at the New Jersey State Prison in Trenton. And he is not eligible for parole until 2038 when he would be 90 years old. But another crazy thing about this case that makes my blood boil, you guys are going to freak out, is before all of this happened in 1980, in the 1980s, Koedaic was convicted in Florida in <gasps> June of 1971 for murdering his own roommate, 40-year-old Robert Anderson. They were roommates. <laughs> <laughs> So this man served 11 years in Florida for murder and robbery when he was convicted in that case, but he was granted parole in August of 1982, just three months before he murdered Amy and Deirdre. Do you know how he murdered his roommate or did he ever say like, why? Um, His conviction his conviction was a murder robbery. So it's unclear whether he was trying to steal from him and they got into a fight and he killed them or he killed him and, you know, took something. But the fact that he only served 11 years and then was granted parole kind of has me thinking that maybe it was like a robbery gone wrong and they just got into a fight. But like you murdered someone and you're only in jail for 11 years and then you get parole. And then what did you say? Three months later, he does this. Three months later. Yep. Three months later. Crazy. And it just makes me think too. I feel like there, maybe there could be like victims in Florida or something that they don't. I just said Florida, like my grandma does Florida. Uh. Yeah. He has, I'm not sure of the, the last person, but he has four confirmed people. I think when he was in prison, he confessed to someone else as well because it just seems like a big step to like getting in a fight and killing your roommate with then to like actively seeking out these girls right yeah but it just it just literally makes me so mad that he was in prison because he did these things and then three months after he gets out he murders two more people yeah like they know i have a follow-up question sorry yeah who stabbed him oh i have no idea like it could have it could have been him that did it just to insert himself in the because you know like murderers do that sometimes they try to like insert yeah. themselves in the investigation but it was unclear of like who stabbed the guy if he did it if someone else did it why did he say like was he alluding that like someone was pretending to be a cop or something like because the that's, flashing light yeah that's that's why he said he got pulled over was because um, he saw like flashing blue lights, so he thought that it was a cop, and he was being pulled over. That's what he told police, anyway. 
but yeah um, I mean that's a good story to try to spin and connect it to your own and tr- yeah and try to and try to insert yourself into the investigation to see yeah but I don't know like if he never made that 911 call yeah who knows what would have happened you know but um actually it doesn't end here so there's a, there's another part to this in oh. 2018 2018 so Koadek requested to have DNA tested from Amy's murder so he could prove that he wasn't the one who raped and killed her part of like the innocence project yeah. um so the courts have approved this but they're still waiting to see if a DNA profile can be recovered and this can be brought to court and that's all I could find up until this point. The last article that I read about this was from 2018. And they were still figuring out if they can get that DNA profile. Um, but who knows when we might see that happen. Wow. But, you know, for now, James Kodak is locked in prison. And let's just hope the man stays there. But he didn't wow. confess to Amy. Then, right? He was convicted. I'm. Um, he pleaded not guilty gotcha. in both cases, but you know, evidence. Yeah. But he's but he's trying he's trying to use the innocence project to get DNA tested. It'll be really messed up if like they go through all those like funds and resources and then he is like guilty after all. Yeah, I mean he he filed that appeal either at the end of 2018 and then it maybe I think the court heard it in 2018 but I can't find anything else about if if they recovered any DNA if they're going to test it or not it was approved but I don't know if they can like recover any DNA at this point so I mean regardless I hope he stays in prison that would be the best place for him. Yes, it would. Um, also, I forget if you said his name or not, but shout out to that one guy who like was the car enthusiast and knew everything yes. about this car because Tim I think O'Grady. About this all Go the time. Tim. Or if I like see something sketchy late at night, I see like a, a car, something on the side of the road or something. I always think to be like, okay, I saw this car at 1 15 a.m. Yeah. And I cannot for the life of me identify a car. Like it was smallish. It was white. (laughs) Yeah. And like this man knew from like, cause he he recognized it from the high beams being on. So insane from him seeing it from the road too. I mean, what a hero. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, I always, that's amazing. There's this, there's this one um, place like by my apartment where I walk my dog at night. Um, I don't like that. (laughs) Well, it's like, it's, technically still like at my apartment but it's right next to this like busy intersection and there's always like at night there will be like one car there and my murder mind is just like someone's gonna snatch me one night just and there's no like camera I mean I'm sure there's like a camera on the like the light I'm like this would be the perfect spot or I was like I have to like look at cars and make sure I can like identify people if they like rob me or I don't I don't bring my wallet. Anyone listening? So I don't. <laughs> don't bring my wallet. Don't rob me. <laughs> you have to take a picture of the car and send it to us, just in case. Every time, every night. Yeah. At yeah. Well, it's time. like that time that there was the car parked outside of the front of my house, and the guy just like walked into my woods 
Yeah. And you were like, you need to go take pictures of that car. And when I went out there to take pictures, there was bones in it. I was like, okay. Or what about these? Rebecca, did I ever tell So Allie and I used to live in the same apartment building. It was like an old house. And I was on the top (laughs) floor. And Allie's room was in the apartment below me, right underneath my room. And I get a text message. It was probably like midnight. (laughs) And I wake up to this text message. It was a picture. And it said, do you know this man? And it was just a dude standing on our front porch. I was like, no, no, don't, uh, don't know him. Who was he there like, for? It was like my front, the front porch was just like my whole bedroom. So I was just sitting yeah. there and the man was right outside of my window. And I was like, do you know him? It was also Halloween. Yes. <laughs> I think made he, it even all the, houses, all the houses looked alike. And I believe he was intoxicated and he was looking for the house next door. But he just Got would it. not stop knocking on the door. Wow. That's scary. That happened to my friend in college. She was in her dorm room in bed and they didn't lock the door like that night. And mm-hmm. she was literally in bed and the door opens and someone's getting in her bed with her. Stop it. And she was no. like, who are you? What are you doing? He was like, this is my room. She's like, "Uh, no, it's not. This is my room. He was super drunk and had the wrong floor. <gasps> He oh. was one above them. Oh my god! Yeah, and her roommate like got up and was like, "Joe or whatever his name was, is that you?" And then she like walked him up to like his room. But oh. like that's terrifying. Oh, I would that not is have the been worst that way. Chill. No, it's the worst mm-hmm. way to wake up. Yeah, <sighs> no, I would not have been that relaxed about it. Especially if I was the roommate, I would be like that. <laughs> I would have been throwing yeah. some elbows. And- <laughs> Yeah, crazy times. People are just um, drunk and confused, I guess. Yeah. Can't blame them. It's hard out there right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think you did a really good job. Yeah, it's that a really was really sad great. story. Yeah, it, it was heartbreaking, like looking everything up. But um, I remember my dad telling me about this, like when I got like jobs after college, like in the Morris County area, he told me about this and since it's right down the road from our office, I yeah. thought it would be um, an interesting one to cover. Plus it's close to Thanksgiving and she was found on Thanksgiving, which is heartbreaking as well. I think, I mean, I can fact check myself, but our boss, Tracy, I think knew her or went to school with her or, um, oh. or like lived in the area. I think she, I remember her telling me about um, yeah. this case. So. Yeah. I think, they call it, I think they called it murder mall after that yeah yeah I think you're right very sad so sad but I just want to say thank you to everyone who's been listening it's like yeah. our friends but still it's cool that yeah. people want to listen to yeah. our voices talk about it's nice to have days. all the, yeah it's nice to have all the support of like people we work with our friends like so thank you I will say I would like my friends to step it up a little bit because (laughs) every time I see someone follows our Instagram, I'll click on their profile and it's like friends with Allie, friends with Rebecca. (laughs) Noted. (laughs) So my friends and family need to step it up, but everyone else, you're doing great. You're doing a great job. Yeah. It's so crazy. Like, it's funny to see like people that like, I guess I wouldn't have expected to like want to listen. Murder bombs, people. Murder bombs. Today I was sitting here, like, 
working and I heard my own voice. My mom scared the crap out of me. She started playing the podcast, the new podcast episode. She wanted to hear it, but she connected to my speaker in here. And I heard my own voice and I like, like dry heaved. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Nothing worse than hearing your own voice. Out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Oh, yeah. yeah, but I'm excited. I'm excited to see where it goes and yeah. I'm happy I'm uh, doing it with you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Now I have to think of something. Maybe I shouldn't. You're I was next. gonna do. I know I was gonna do like a killer, but I just saw something else that I was like, oh, maybe I'll switch it up or take a different path, like I did last time. <laughs> I was gonna say we're also open for suggestions, so if anybody wants to suggest anything, let yeah. us know. Yeah, I got a couple so far. I have Message one me. that's not technically it's a crime. <laughs> It's a crime-ish. Well, I, I I need to do more research about it. But it's just like an event in history. Okay. That I take issue with. Okay. And I would like to research about it. Yeah, mix well, it up. Do it. Yeah. Do it. I did a stalker pretty much. So. Yeah. Anything like spooky, haunted, conspiracy, like anything like that. Like we're, we're open, open to all of it and any of it. Okay, good. Maybe I'll do that. Yeah, that could be You're, interesting. Okay, I'm going to do it. I'm just going <laughs> to. I made a decision. Unless I research it, that's stupid. I'm going to edit There's not enough. <laughs> yeah, I keep thinking that I want to do something and then I'm like, wow, there's really not any information on it. I guess it was just really interesting to me, that one sentence about this. All right, y'all. All right. Bye, pals. Bye. 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 I'm putting that in. <laughs> bye. Bye. <laughs> Resources for this episode include NJ.com, The New York Times, The Daily Record, Murderpedia.org, Law.Justia.com, and The Psychic and the Serial Killer, Examining the Best Case for Psychic Detectives by Benjamin Radford. Chair. Sure.